Hello and welcome to the U Sports Safety Update. My name is Jim Mackey, a certified athletic trainer with the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program. JSMP is dedicated to youth sports safety through advocacy, awareness, and prevention of sports injuries. So joining us today is Jerry Sanders. He's going to be sharing about sports performance to compete at a higher level and how to do it in a safe and successful manner. B3 Better Sports Performance. He's a graduate of Georgia Southern University with a degree in kinesiology and has for the last 19 years trained and prepared numerous athletes of all ages from Little League, Pop Warner, to major professional sports. So welcome, Jerrion. Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and how this has become your passion as well as a uh, career path. I started this profession back in 2004 um, upon graduating from Georgia Southern University. Moved down here, started an internship at a place called the Hit Center. Um, had the opportunity to work under uh, a great mentor and a guy named Aaron Marston. He was able to introduce me to different people. One of them was uh, John Patrick at the University of Jacksonville. Um, John Patrick was actually the head strength coach there. Um, So I ended up doing the internship there. That summer, um, John Patrick was also doing an internship with the Jaguars and was able to get me an internship with the Jaguars. So that summer of 2004, I had three internships. I had an internship with at JU, Jacksonville University, with the Jaguars and at the Hit Center. So I was getting up at four o'clock in the morning, went to JU from like five to like 10, would go from JU to the stadium with the Jaguar Stadium, work with them from like 11 to one, would be at the Hit Center by like three o'clock, be there from three to nine, would get home every night, read up on everything that I learned that day. And, and you know, it was funny because just going through that summer, I got halfway through the summer and, you know, I, I hit that wall, that proverbial wall, not knowing, but but figuring out like this is what I needed to be doing with my life, right? Like I was so enticed by it, and I was I was blown away by it, and and, and that is how I developed the passion, you know, just that whole summer. Because initially, when I graduated from college, my intention was to go back to school and be uh, go back to physical therapy school. So I was going to come down, do my internship, and go back to physical therapy school. But once I got involved in the sports performance sector, it uh, it just took me away, and and and. The rest is history. Putting in the work ethic to uh, to get to where you want to get. So that congratulations on that. So so we're concerned a lot about youth sports safety, and you train a lot of young athletes. So when's a good age to start? And as the proverbial question is, how much is too much? I just as soon as they come out of the womb, <laughs> I have a I, I have a, a four year old and a five year old. Well, he's he's six now, and I do things with them all the time from an athletic development standpoint. But the biggest thing, first and foremost, for kids is to make sure they're having fun. You want to make sure they're having fun. And then you do little things like, you know, dodgeball to teach them how to stop and go and change direction. And you play little fun games, you know, hand-eye coordination games where you have them walk in a straight line, heel to toe, toe to heel, and catching the ball. So now they're working on proprioception and little things like that. So when you talk about athletic development, it always starts with rudimentary movement patterns. Before you can teach these big, gross movements, it always starts with rudimentary stuff. So when people ask that question, again, as soon as the kid comes out of the womb, technically you can do athletic development. Now, as your athlete gets older and they start to become a little bit more serious about the sport, when it comes to athletic development, you do want to stay away from some of the more strenuous things because you see, you know, all the videos on TikTok and on social media where these kids are pushing heavy sleds and, carrying boulders and all that that's that's a little over the top like in the beginning it's all about teaching movement patterns teaching basic skills throwing catching twisting turning bending hinging you know all those little things in but you make it fun for them 
in the beginning and then you 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 progress them along into a more intense into a more uh, uh, a linear progressive program. So no age is too young. <laughs> okay, that, that's that's excellent because um, there there are a lot of let's talk for a minute related to that about safety techniques and guidelines uh, you should be aware of. Basically, you just said don't be doing crazy things, right? Correct. And I see all the time, like for instance. Vertimax training is a is a big thing, right? And and it's been around for a while. However, you see kids jumping and landing with knee valgus, right? So if a kid can't control their own body weight, they don't need to be doing resistance training at all, right? So we need to be working on stabilization work with that athlete first and foremost. So it's just little simple things like that. When I'm looking at a movement movement patterns, if they can't move their own body weight efficiently then no, we shouldn't really be loading their body with, with anything at that point. For me, again, it's about the quality of movement first, and then you can build off of that. Okay. Talking about movement, we hear a lot about functional movement screening or F- FMS, and that helps to identify uh, these deficiencies in one's body function. much do you use that in your practice? So every athlete who comes through our program, basically a part of our evaluation system is the FMS we actually build their movement program based off of the FMS, especially their strength program. Because again, the, the good thing about it is it does show us how well they engage their muscles in running patterns or how well they engage their muscles when they're jumping or stopping and things like that. So um, it's, it's been a very useful tool for us for years as far as building out programs for our athletes. And so these are just simple tests that are used, um, squatting movements and evaluating those from the front, from the side, uh, watching how a person's body moves in space. Uh, it may be uh, an X pattern you have on the floor that people uh, jump from one spot to the other, ladder work, things like that, that uh, they see. So those are good to, I like what you said about uh, really helping a person see where the deficiencies are in the beginning before they begin more progressive activities. Because if you can't handle the workload, uh, you're not going to build the strength and build the movement, proper movement patterns that you uh, that you desire ultimately. So yeah. we've heard the, heard the phrase in professional sports or college sports to an athlete needs to listen to his body. Uh, what does this mean to you and what messages uh, do people need to pay attention to, do you think? So when you talk about listening to your body is basically telling yourself, you know, if you feel pain, you might not need to push through that. And pain and fatigue are two totally different things. Right. Knowing the difference between the two are important. Right. So if you feel like some type of acute pain whenever you're running, whenever you're jumping, whenever you're performing a specific movement pattern, when when I tell an athlete to listen to their body, it's usually based off of that. Now, when you look at the fatigue factor, the the biggest thing is when an athlete becomes fatigued, that's when their technique starts to break down. When the technique starts to break down, that's when they start to that's when they're more apt for injury. Right. At that point, we try to monitor the volume of work that we're doing with the athletes. And there's all kind of modules, too, that you look at. Like for us, we use this this apparatus called the vert chip. The vert chip measures energy expenditure how high you jump, you can even do a reactive shrimp testing on it. So for us, we're looking at certain percentages in the workout, right? So like if they're not, if they're, you know, hitting less than, you know, 70% of what their max is in a certain metric, that lets us know they are getting close to that fatigue factor, which means, again, they are at a high, more susceptible to get injured, you know? So 
there, you know, with all with the way technology is today, there's all kind of things you use to monitor that. So athlete doesn't necessarily have to listen to their body. You're able to look at it based off of their production. But, you know, again, that's that's a big thing for us is if you're feeling like you're giving 110 percent, but you're not quite moving as fast as you normally do. That's what we mean when we say listen to your body. Like maybe we need to take some time off, you know, do some recovery, get some recovery modules to help your body get back to where it needs to be digress here. We hear a lot about load management. That may be more for sports that they're working uh, or playing on a daily basis. What's what's the value of that load management in your, say, even in the sports performance realm? Um, basically, productivity. The one thing that has changed over the years, the whole recovery process and the whole regeneration process. You know, we all know now that less can be more. And the more you give your body time to repair and rebuild itself, the more productive you can be in your workouts, the more productive you can be when you're actually performing. So for us, it's important to be able to do that, Uh, again, just from an injury prevention perspective, also from the perspective of being able to be as productive as you possibly can in your workouts and in actual. Um, We'll talk a little bit more about recovery in just a minute, but uh, we see a lot of successful athletes that have competed in a variety of sports growing up and later choosing a particular sport later on to to focus on and excel in. So what are some of your thoughts about sports specialization versus a variety of sports? You've got that kid that comes in and, oh, he's going to be a MLE, Major League Baseball player. And I want you to focus on that. Uh, Oh, by the way, he's eight years old. And that's what I want him to do until he's, uh, you know, 25. So what how do you help uh, people? I'm, I'm, I'm prejudiced here. I see the value of different sports as opposed to just focusing on one. So what are your thoughts on that sports specialization versus really, you said make it fun, but enjoy a lot of different sports along the way? I'm I'm definitely a strong proponent for having athletes play multiple sports. Um, one, it gives them a mental break, you know, from the sport that they've been playing. Um, two, just from a movement pattern standpoint, like if you get a kid who's a basically a baseball player, baseball players tend to be a little less athletic than you know football players or basketball players. However, if you take that baseball kid and you put him on the basketball court or you put him on the football field and he gets used he gets used to moving in different planes and and using different muscles and things like that that stuff transfers directly over to his performance in baseball so as a parent I'm telling them you can use this really as a training tool to better your athlete for the particular sport that you want them to play but at the end of the day you know the I I have a conversation with parents that goes that speaks to you know if your kid has the it factor They'll make it to the major leagues regardless, <laughs> or if they have that it factor, right? They're gonna, you know, play at a high level for baseball. Um, I understand. We we all understand the, the 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 value of practice and repetition. We we understand that, right? However, when it comes to specializing in sports, I don't think you really have to do that until you get later on in high school, until you get to your sophomore year, maybe even your junior year, what have you. And again, I have two kids of my own, and I'm not gonna do that to them right now. It's just all about overall athletic development. So. We're playing soccer, we're playing baseball, we're playing basketball, flag football, all those different types of things. Because one, we want to figure out what it is that they really like. Because if they're not passionate about it, it doesn't matter how much mom and dad want it. It's only going to go but so far. Um, Two, once they do find out what they like, they will be able to 
they're, they're going to be willing to invest and they're going to be a little bit more passionate about putting in the extra work and doing the things necessary to, to get them to that next level. And then three, you know, it's all about the experience for your kid, right? Like I just alluded to it earlier, like if they have that it factor, they'll get to where they're supposed to be. But if they don't, they take the characteristics that they learn from sports and they apply it to whatever they decide to commit themselves to in life. And that's what it's really all about at this age. Growing up is about the experience more so than being a high profile athlete. Okay. What do you, what do you see in regards to, we see a lot of kids, uh, whether it's lacrosse, volleyball, baseball, softball, they're playing sports for their schools and they're on travel teams and, so what kind of, are you seeing an increase in overuse injuries or burnout or uh, mental health or stress you know, situations because of all these, call them year round sports that some kids are participating in? Uh, no, baseball in particular, you, you see more of the shoulder injuries, the Tommy Johns, um, more so than anything. Uh, then in soccer, you're seeing more of the ACLs, soccer, basketball, and baseball are the three primary sports. Football, you don't play year round, but those three sports, you know, basketball, baseball, soccer. Um, yeah, those injuries are definitely at a whole nother level. Those kids play over 100 and something games a year, really don't take the time or have the time to to just spend to, you know, training and letting their bodies recover. They don't really have the time to be able to do that. They're They're forced to believe that if you're not here for fall ball, you're going to lose your spot. Then the season starts. And then once the season's over, now we got summer ball. If you're not here, then somebody else is going to step in and take your place. And when you get back, you're going to have to fight to find a job. So those are the types of things that parents are up against. But I think as long as your kid continues to develop and you do the things that you need to do to take care of their body, you'll always find a spot for your kid. Uh, it, it, this is question uh, I didn't send you earlier, but uh, let's look at talk about the Jaguars for just a minute. Just in general. Okay. They do a lot of strength training in the off season. They go through their OTAs or mini camps, things like that. And then now they're off for almost like six weeks and then, you know, come into July, boom, it's all starts over again. So educate us as to what, what's that athlete doing in six weeks? They're not doing any, they're not doing nothing, you know, but they are relaxing. They are getting away from things and that. So, what should that um, high-performing athlete want to be doing in that break-type period in that? Well, so I, I would say the first week or two is basically just building back a conditioning level and getting acclimated to the next four weeks that's going to take place. That's basically what we do with our athletes during that time period because at that point now that you got the next – so you got six weeks, you got that first two weeks where we – regenerate, see where they come from after camp. Because believe it or not, they don't, while they're actually in mini camp, they go hard, but not as hard as you think they would because they still want to be able to get out there and run plays and, and things like that. So when they get to us, there's a basic conditioning level we want to build them up to. There's a phase where we're working on explosiveness, first step quickness, you know, power, agility, all those different types of things. And then we start to taper off a little bit as it, as they go into camp because, again, you want them going into camp with a fresh body and they're going to be in camp for a whole month. That's generally how that looks when you talk about, you know, that six-week period for, for the pro athlete. Well, that's just a little extra tidbit there, so appreciate that. We talked a little bit about recovery, but what? how do you incorporate um, those several facets of training, rest and recovery through 
a variety of methods? Do you use modalities, nutrition, hydration, stress reduction, massage, mental health, counseling, strength training, flexibility, all those things? What do you what do you promote as far as rest and recovery for these athletes uh, while they're uh, engaged in sports performance and or their regular season activities? Uh, is really based off what the individual's body needs. I, I would say in general, most guys would need massages. Um, I'm a big proponent for cryo treatment. If you need a chiropractor, go see a chiropractor. If you need PT based off, again, what your body's needs are, go see a PT. Obviously, get tons of sleep. Um, I encourage athletes to go get a blood panel done so that they know what their blood type is and so they know how to put together and then, you know, there's dietitians and nutritionists that help them with putting together diets based off of their blood type. You know, again, for me, it's more so based off of what that athlete needs. But if again, in general, uh, you know, a mas- massages, cryo treatment, definitely a, a well-balanced diet, definitely, you know, staying well hydrated. And, you know, when it comes to like the mental side, I, I'm a strong proponent for that as well. So taking some time to meditate, if, you know, you feel like the pressure is getting to be a little bit too much, you know, maybe go see, you know, a sports psychiatrist or, you know, they got the new things like the sports, the sports hypnosis and things of that nature, just reprogramming the subconscious mind. And, and all that stuff plays a strong role in your athletic development, especially when you get to those higher levels. It, I mean, when you get to those higher levels, like college and more so in the pros. When you get to the pro, everybody's a freakish athlete. That guy that doesn't even get in the game is a freakish athlete. So the thing that really separates you more than anything is what's going on between your ears. So whatever you need to do to make that adjustment and to get yourself at another level mentally, I'm a strong proponent for. So we have these parents today. They're investing greatly uh, in their children's sports participation. So what advice would you give parents? How would you encourage them as a part of this process? You know, just like I said earlier, man, the, the biggest thing is make sure your kids are having fun. If, they, if they're not having fun, uh, it, it, it's going to cause a stressful environment for, for you and the kid, one. But that's one side of it, too. For the kids who are committed and who really do want to, you know, get to the next level in that sport, as a parent, I would do whatever I can to provide as many resources for them. One, get them the proper training. But before I get them into training, I would do research on those actual training trainers to understand what their background is, um, to see who they actually produce. Once I get them involved with that trainer, I'm asking all kinds of questions. Like, is this trainer continuing to get better? Are you going to workshops or who, who did you learn under? You know, th- those are the types of things. And when it's time to even pick like travel teams and such, I would, I would research those coaches, you know, did they play before, I, you know, who all have they developed? I would sit and watch practice and see how they interact with my child, how they interact with the other kids. You know, those are those are the types of things I would do. But inevitably, like I said earlier, you know, sports is more so a metaphor of life. You put your kids in sports for the experience more so than anything, because you want them to, you know, learn how to work in a group atmosphere, learn how to deal with failure, you know, learn leadership, learn how to deal with people you don't like, but you still got to work with. (laughs) You know, all these are things that we go through when we get in the real world and that prepares us for the real world. So. You know, sports for me is more so about the experience and and what you gain from it. I tell guys all the time, even if you're lucky enough to make it as a professional athlete, when you finish playing the game, you're still relatively young, right? You're still relatively young. You're in your, you know, if you're a Tom Brady, Tom Brady's still relatively young, right? If, if If you've always been associated with being a football player and nothing else, your life doesn't end then. So you have to make sure that you understand that, being an athlete is a part of who you are 
and doesn't necessarily define who you are. So, um, you know, again, for me as a parent, it's all about making sure that you keep those things separate. I'm, I'm an athlete is who I am today or for these two hours, but I'm a student, I'm a son, I'm a brother, I'm a nephew, I'm a grandson. All these are important roles in my life and, and that make me the whole person that I am. Okay. Any, um, any other safety messages? What, um, what other safety things would you be looking for as a parent uh, when they're going to a sports performance center? Um, like how often do you uh, check your equipment and, you know, things like that. Is, is that important? I, I think it's important. I just don't know as a parent, how you would be able to gauge that kind of stuff. Again, if I'm a parent and I'm getting my kid involved in something like a sports performance place, um, one, I, I do want to see measurables, right? I want to see where my kid's starting. Two, are you tracking my kid's progress? And am I able to keep up with it, right? Because I think we, we're kind of past the days of the, the stopwatches now, right? Because guys with the stopwatches, can, that finger can be a little bit tricky from time to time. So I think most people are using laser timers now. So like that keeps us all honest, right? But as a parent, I, I just outside of having baseline information, being able to track that baseline information um, and seeing the results at the end of like their program. Again, asking tons of questions like, again, you know, getting to know that trainer personally, especially if you're investing a lot of money in them and you're investing a lot in, in your kid because you want as your kid getting better, you want that person to get better as well. And I tell people all the time, it's funny. I have a DVD that's on Amazon that I did back in 2012 that I don't even promote anymore because I teach speed totally different from how I taught it then. If I look at that video now, it makes me cringe <laughs> and it's still on Amazon, you know? So it, this is a constant evolving, you know, uh, uh, um, art form. And, you know, like I was telling you earlier, we've even transitioned more into the technology side where, you know, we're starting to do different tests, you know, for the longest, you know, the 60 yard dash has been the measure for how fast a baseball player is, but we've created a base stealing test that, that basically simulates a pitcher picking up his foot. The runner has to respond to the stimulus of the pitcher picking up his foot and they run through a laser time. And it's the same distance as running from first to second. And so we're timing how fast it takes you to respond to that stimulus and get from first to second. So now we're going through a phase where we're trying to get as much aggregate data as we possibly can to say the average, you know, 14 year old runs this test and this speed. The average 15 year old runs this test and this speed. And we call it the three, two, five test. So it's uh, but again, it's one of those things where you want the people who you're putting your kid around to be at the forefront of things and to be evolving as as this industry evolves. All right. Any uh, final messages you would have for uh, student athletes uh, to get better? Pick. You've already talked about picking the right person. But, um, what what encouragement would you give to a student athlete along the way? Um, just stay encouraged and, and make sure you're passionate about what you're doing. You hear people use the term sacrifice a lot. Um, a good friend of mine and another and a fellow trainer, Brett Chipnick, says there's no such thing as as a uh, sacrifice when you're doing the things that are necessary to get you towards your goals. So I don't know if we want to quite use that word sacrifice, but understand that along this route, you're not always going to be doing the things that you really want to do. Um, however, it puts you in a better position to get you towards your goals. So just keep your eyes on the prize. Understand that it's not going to be easy all the time. However, 
this is a part of your journey. This is a part of your story. You know, inevitably it's going to build your character and build you into the person that you're trying to be or meant to be, should I say. All right. Thank you. We've been speaking this morning with Jerry and Sanders, the owner of B3 Better Sports Performance. B3 Better consists of a team of highly educated coaches and trainers with vast knowledge in building strong and successful teams and athletes. They have a wealth of experience. So check them out at B3 uh, Better Sports Performance and uh, learn more about how you can improve uh, your your child's performance as well as keep them safe. So thank you very much, Jerrion. We've uh, been listening to the Youth Sports Safety Update, a production of the Jacksonville Sports Medicine Program. JSMP is dedicated to youth sports safety through advocacy, awareness, and prevention of sports injuries. So thank you. Please stay safe out there and have a great day. Thank you, Jerrion. Thanks, Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thank you.